We are going through the Gospel of Luke. Today we begin chapter 10. And begin with me at verse 1. Luke 10, 1. Luke writes, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before the face before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. When I think of our placement here in Albany, we are one of many churches. And I think of especially the importance of our church and every church in the city of Albany and really every community. But as we're thinking about where we live, and I know some of you live in outlying communities, But the purpose of a church is to represent Jesus to the people of this community. That's why we're here. As Jesus will say, if if they receive you, they're receiving me. Quite an awesome, awesome responsibility to think that you and I represent the Lord. We're not just Christians in name only. We don't just say, well, I go to that church or I'm the pastor of that church. We have an amazing, amazing privilege of being what we would call ambassadors for Christ. And that means your very life represents the king. Your life represents the king. And that's. It's exciting, but it's a little scary. And so it's, it's easier to kind of separate our lives between I'm going to go maybe do a good deed for the Lord, but then I'm going to go back to my regular life. And in our everyday lives, as you're going through work or whatever you're doing, you don't feel like an ambassador of the Lord. Do you, you just feel like a regular person, but What's special about our lives is not us. I feel like this still the same lame person through the week. But what's important is not who I am or who you are, but the fact that the Lord is working in us and through us. And suddenly we have glimpses of seeing the impact of our lives in the community where we are. Sometimes it doesn't feel like you're making an impact. Sometimes it, it might even feel like you're trying to say a good word to somebody around you and they're not paying attention. It just feels like, well, nobody's listening to me. Or you think, well, that person really needs the Lord, but I have no idea what to say to that person. They seem to be so, so far removed from anything spiritual. But nonetheless, the very presence of of our lives in this community, how you live is a stronger impact than even you realize. 
The words you say are a bigger impact than you realize. My wife was just telling me this week, I'm going to share that story. Is that okay? She's a merchandiser for a company. And for years we lived in Beaverton and she would merchandise at a local large retailer. And she would come in as an outsider into this space. And there was a woman there at this store in um, a position who was kind of grumpy. You know, any grumpy people out in the world. And so she would see this person like once a week. And just try and say a kind word. Hey, how's it going? What's going on in your life? Hey, I'll, be, I'll pray for you. Something like that. You know, you try and say something especially profound in two seconds. <laughs> and it seemed like for three years. Her words were of absolutely no effect. That this person wasn't listening. It didn't matter what she might say or pray for that person. She was still the same grumpy person. Finally, after three years, this woman went across the store, found my wife and said, I have a crisis in my life. Will you be praying for me? It was like, wait, what happened? Like there was just a major earthquake just now. And it is, it is quite a step of faith for you and I to continue to live a godly life in a world that seems like they're often not interested at all. And the question is how to do that without being annoying. And the truth is we've known a lot of Christians who were way too overboard in how they tried to be a witness. And they were just more annoying than anything else. You don't have to be like that. So You're off the hook for annoying category. Okay. Did you hear me? You don't have to be that person. You know, a sip of good, clean, pure, cold water in the midst of a filthy world is extremely powerful. And a few words out of your mouth are as just satisfying to the dry soul. Paul said to the Corinthians in second Corinthians five 20. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That that's our job. We are ambassadors for Christ. And God is speaking through you often in a few a few gracious words that will speak to that person's heart. In Luke 10, 16, Jesus said, he who hears you, hears me. He he who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So Jesus was sent by his father to represent his father And you and I are sent by the Lord to represent the Lord. And it's profound. There's six things, if you're going to take notes this morning, which I know you are, uh, that I just want to highlight in this idea of us being ambassadors 
for Jesus Christ. And it's in our passage today, Luke 10, 1 through 24. The first thing is just to remember that we're commissioned by the Lord to represent him. He's the one who has commissioned us to go on his behalf. We're not imposing our will to people. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul wrote, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's just your regular service to the Lord. It is holy, acceptable to God, your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. If that's the word prove in your translation, it is better translated discover. That in your regular serving of the Lord, both you are being transformed and you will discover God's purpose for your life. That right there, I went to camp when I was in elementary school. They had they forced us to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I still have it in my memory um, as a child that you may discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what we're all asking is, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? You will not discover it by passively watching television. How is that for a major spiritual revelation? Yeah. You're going, wow, I never knew that. Because <laughs> Lord, as soon as you tell me what your purpose is, I'll get up off this TV, I promise, off this couch and stop watching TV. No, the Lord says, follow me. And while you're busy with me, serving with me, I'm going to show you things. I had no idea that I would be a pastor and stand here and do this. If the Lord had told me at the very beginning that this was his purpose for my life, I probably would have said, I don't think that's going to work for me. <laughs> but he took me along one step at a time. And by the time I got here, I kind of thought it was my idea. And the Lord says, that's great, Terry, if you want to think it's your idea. But I've been working this out a long time ago. Heads up, it's on my list this coming summer to start up some ministry training classes. So if you're interested in that, I, I am excited to shift it into the next gear for our ministry training. But Jesus said to the disciples, John 15, guys, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that simply means that he commissions us to represent him. I am hearing a little too often, quick side note, a little too often of churches here in our community that are not representing the Lord. They are, in fact, misrepresenting the Lord. This is an old story. And I have no personal idea of naming those churches or being highly critical other than the fact to say, 
It is an old story. And often pastors and churches start to compromise from who the Lord is. And they think they're being more gracious toward people. It's under the premise of we're being more loving to the sinner. It is not loving to leave sinners in their sin. That's right. You just go for it. <laughs> we have a Pentecostal row right here. That's why they're sitting over there. It is not loving to leave people in their condition. Now, of course, we love people out there who are caught in all kinds of lifestyles and troubles. And in fact, that was us. We are not pointing the finger at those people, the sinners, because in the fact, as you point your finger, there's you have fingers pointing back at you. That was us. That was me. And when I came to the Lord, I didn't want me to, him to leave me there. I wanted him to get me out of that into a new life. And whenever pastors are saying, it's okay to stay in your old lifestyle, you're welcome here. That is misrepresenting the Lord. And did you know that God is especially, especially watchful of people who misrepresent him. A key example would be Moses in the wilderness. When Moses was leading the children of Israel from slavery into the promised land, do you remember how Moses became angry at the people and struck the rock? And God said, Moses, I'm not angry. Moses, you are misrepresenting my heart to these people. These people might be stiff necked and they are difficult to deal with. But Moses, I am not angry at them. And it's because Moses misrepresented the Lord that he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Did you know that? We are accountable for accurately representing the heart of God. God is holy. God is righteous. The truth shall set you free. Free from what? Free from sin into a life of righteousness. As ambassadors were commissioned by the Lord to speak for him. Not our agenda, not our ideas, but his message. The second thing I want you to write down is to understand the commission. First, we're commissioned by the Lord. Second, understand the commission. Really, it's what I was just sharing. We are commissioned by the Lord to speak a message that he would speak, repent, and come out of that life. He said, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, you remember that parable that Jesus told about the harvest that mixed in with the wheat were also the what? You remember? The tares. And the, the, 
the laborers said, the harvester said, well, what do you want us to do? Go in and rip out all the tares? No, just leave it. The Lord knows the difference. And when the harvest comes, he will separate them. You know what the tares were? They were plants that looked like wheat, but they weren't genuine wheat. They, they, to, the, to the regular observer, they looked like wheat, but they weren't wheat. And it's true that mixed among those who say they are spiritual people or Christians, there are wheats and tares. And the Lord knows the difference. Third, we remember that we go out as ambassadors. We go out, I'm sorry, we go out as foreigners. Once you have been saved out of the world, now actually you are in a foreign land. You are in a foreign land. Verse 3, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Philippians 3.20, Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter 2, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the pagans. You might remember a story, I believe it's 2001, if my research is right. Our military went into Afghanistan to root out the Taliban. It seems like an old story, but there 21 years ago, the military went in. And as they found the Taliban, they also found an American named John Walker Lind. Do you remember that story? No? Don't remember this story? It was an American man who went to, to the Middle East, began sympathizing with the terrorists, the Taliban, and actually began fighting with them against his own country. He was labeled the American Taliban, John Walker Lind. I, I, when I heard that story, I remember thinking, what a strange thing for a Christian to become so entangled in the world, he begins fighting against the very things of Christ. And in all of this talk and upset today of social justice, it's easy for Christians to get caught up in things thinking they are doing a good work when they in turn might be fighting against the very things of Christ. Of course, we stand up for justice and for people who are marginalized. Of course, we do. Of course, the Lord God, uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not just good people because there aren't any. So to love people, all people, while still speaking the words of the gospel to them to see them come out of that is so important. Second Timothy four, two, four, Paul said, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Number four, we actually go out into the world in faith. 
trusting that God will lead us and protect us. Verses four through nine, Luke wrote uh, that Jesus said, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, greet no one along the road, but whatever house you enter, say first peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, whatever city you enter, city you enter and they receive you eat such things as they set before you heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So these 70 that are going out are still learning this lesson that as we go serve the Lord, the Lord provides for us. That's especially true of me. (laughs) My entire living is provided through the ministry uh, and all pastors to learn that you don't focus on money. You focus on the commission the Lord is giving you and that the Lord will provide for you. That is a hard lesson to learn, but I can tell you that in all these years of ministry, the Lord has always provided, always provided for us. And I am thankful for that. It's amazing. So how do we know who to minister to? We don't target people and corner them and say, now, do you know Jesus? Again, under the annoying Christian category, there's a funny story. I went to India several years ago and, and did some uh, taught in Bible schools over there. And it's funny. They say, if you go into a village in India and say, uh, American, do you know Jesus? What they're going to say to you is no. But if you go to the next village, maybe he lives there. So our Christian language doesn't always mean anything to people. Do you know Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about. And so often you and I, we don't know how to start a conversation even, or even if somebody's interested, we get fearful. I don't know how to share the gospel. What if they ask me a hard question? I don't know what to say. The key is right here. Jesus says to the 70, just go out and say, peace to you. It's like a fisherman casting a line. And if they are already receptive to the Lord in their heart, and in fact, God has already gone before you and is working in their lives, they will hear you and they will say, why don't you come in? Or as we might say, you know, you meet somebody, a waitress in a a restaurant, or you just meet somebody and say, "Um, you know what, I'll be praying for you. There's no big pressure. That's not a big speech you have to prepare. You just say, if somebody says, well, I'm having a tough day. You just say, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. That is a a lifeline, a fisherman. You're just throwing the lure out and you just see if the Lord is maybe already working in that person's life. The fifth thing I want you to write down is that we must continue to serve when rejected. 
We must continue to serve when rejected. Read with me. I'm going to read, look at, at verses 10 through 16. Jesus said, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Now, it's just assumed, we all know this, not everybody wants to hear about the Lord. But they are going to really face some rejection. You and I just get a funny look. Nobody rejects us like they're going to. They're going to face. But when you and I are rejected, oppressed, or even really criticized, it's easy to just absorb somebody's criticism and just get stuck there. Now, my fear for you is not that somebody will give you a funny look when you say, can I pray for you? But I know, I know absolutely Many people who come to church have had some bad experience serving somewhere else at other churches. Now, I'm not saying something that's a big secret. Do you know this? I am your pastor and I have had bad experiences serving at other churches. When you in a, in, out of sincere heart say, what can I do to serve here at the church? And you find out that, that to say the least, you were not um, appreciated, that at some point, even church leadership was excessively controlling or critical. I'm afraid that experience is way too common out in, in church land. And in fact, it, the reason I'm even saying it is because it's so common. And because so many people have had a bad church experience, they are stuck there in that old experience, afraid to ever serve the Lord again. I am sorry that I even have to bring this up. If you haven't had this experience, praise the Lord. You will not have that experience here. I have often felt that a primary part of my ministry for the past 30 years has been to help people back into fellowship who have had bad church experiences. It is so common. I have people come to church 
And they would say that they'd be a visitor and they'd say, well, I haven't been to church in 10 years. Well, I haven't been to church in 15 years. And you're thinking, you know, they're not really a churchgoer. But the truth is to find out not only were they a churchgoer, they were really involved in church and they were really involved in ministry and had some some big crisis. If that is you. Please don't get stuck there. The Lord loves you. You can trust the Lord. I will try to be nice to you. And in a sense, this principle, without going into all this stuff, you know, the Lord is mentioning these cities that may face judgment. Cities that that have been exposed to the power and the miracles of God. They're accountable for having seen the miracles of Jesus Capernaum in these cities. If they would reject the Lord, they're going to face a moment of accountability. So whoever might have misrepresented the Lord to you, they're accountable. But I want you to leave that behind, shake, in a sense, shake the dust off your feet and move forward and just say it's a new day. And even today, say, Lord, those are old things. What can I do to serve you today? And it is my job to just help you renew your trust in the Lord and be excited again just to see the Lord work through your life. That's all we're here for. Can you say amen? Did I say all of that right? Did I offend anybody? I'm sorry. You can talk to Tanner if I offended you. <laughs> Last thing I just want to mention as we wrap up the service. Number six is to rejoice over what God is doing in your life. While there are hard things, remember to pay attention to the good things and have an attitude of thankfulness. At verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject, subject to us in your name. He said to them, I saw light, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Uh, but behold, I give you authority over all these things. I'm not going to read this, this whole section for the sake of time. But these 70 returned excited because they suddenly discovered that the power of God was present in their lives. It always surprises me when God works through me. I'm not surprised, but it's just like exciting to see how God continues to want to work. And here's, here's the thing as we wrap this up. Albany needs to see real Christians who love them and have a gracious word for them. And the Lord will connect you with them and bring them out of the world into fellowship with him. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Lord, thank you for this word this morning. As each of us are 
are just growing in our trust for you. We all, each of us, want to be useful to you in this community. And Lord, may this church be, be a light to this community, a place of righteousness, people of holiness, a place where the power of God is experienced to change lives. And we pray, God, that you would commission each of us for this purpose. That you, Lord, would strengthen us to let go of old things. That you would make each of our lives new in your hands. From this day forward, old things pass away. If there are any injuries of old things, Lord, may it be done. And may there just be healing in our hearts, in our minds, to say, Lord, we're ready for a new work here in Albany. To receive communion. As the worship team leads us in a last song or two. As we receive communion together, it is a perfect moment for you to remember what the Lord has done for you. The cup, his blood shed for us. The bread, his body broken for us. The Bible says that by his stripes, we are healed. And over my years of ministry, several times I have come to church not feeling very well, feeling sick. And I have experienced healing during communion. It's amazing. And I just invite you to say, Lord, as I receive this this morning, would you heal me? That might be physical, emotional, mental. But just let the Lord make you brand new this morning.